Hello, everybody. We are back today for another episode 11 of the Art of Hospitality. Scott, how are you doing today? What's going on? Good, good. Great Friday. A lot of feedback about our last episode, and I think we're gonna we're gonna try to match it or top it on this one. So good stories continue, and as Adam has said before, I love this time of the week. So I guess it's time to get to work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we do have another guest. We'll introduce him in just a second. But Adam, tell us what's going on in your neck of the woods today. Anything fun and exciting or learning from last episode? Yeah, definitely echo what Scott said. It was a lot of great feedback after last week's discussion with Steve. I think that there were a lot of fantastic talking points that came out of that. I think that's going to lead us right into this week's. But as far as excitement for this week, I think that we're seeing a lot of evidence that the industry is recognizing some of the challenges, some of the economic pressure that's starting to build. And I'm having a lot more discussions with managers that are reckoning at, recognizing that and trying to find solutions for that, which I think is a positive note for all of us, for the industry as a whole, and definitely a positive note for our TAN business model. We, we have a tremendous amount of discussions with managers that are moving inventory over to TAN and recognizing the value of the guaranteed rent and all of the pieces that come with that. So my excitement tends to be around the inventory side for this week. And then heading into the weekend, we're starting our lacrosse season. So I get to go watch my 12-year-old play a couple of lacrosse games tomorrow, which will be fun. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know much about lacrosse, I'm going to be honest with you, but we talked about it. as I go. Okay. I was about to say, I feel like you're good at most sports you try. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> just get that sense of things. I'll awesome. take it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's always a good thing to do. Just take the compliment. We are joined today by a guest, so we'll get going here. And it seems fitting this week that we're going to talk about safety. So last week, we had Steve Schwab on. If for some reason you missed that, I think you should go back and listen to that one after this, uh, whenever you have the time to do I think it was one of our better episodes, as I believe Adam said, in terms of soundbite, just awesome clips coming out of that one, which we're now sharing out there. But you know what Steve said in the last week episode that we talked about is that he believed, or he said that there was dark side, there was like a dark side to the industry or so-called bad actors that are winning, unfortunately, and they're getting a lot of visibility and a lot of property and a lot of inventory. And sometimes they don't really know the mistakes they're making. Maybe in some cases they do know the mistakes and they just don't care. But Adam, you brought us on the story arc. We've been through lots of guests at this point. We've had some solo shows, et cetera. How does this week's episode on safety fit into our overall story? And then I'd love to get to our guest after you have to go through that. Sure. Yeah, I do think that we've fit this in one, this one in nicely to continue that story arc. And as you mentioned, Conrad, as I think back on the discussion last week, first glance, Steve's description of the industry may seem a little dramatic, right? Is there really a battle of dark versus light, of bad actors versus good actors? And after thinking about it for the last week or so, I don't think that Steve's position is overstated. Not only is there a culture war happening, but it, the idea of the dark side winning, I, I think, is actually pretty accurate. And yes, it sounds like Star Wars, and maybe that's good because maybe that's an easy idea that we can all relate and understand. But as an industry, every time we see a bad story about vacation rentals, we should all be concerned because each one of those bad stories continues to add to the overall narrative of this dark side and the culture war that's happening. And the media loves these bad stories, so they keep getting pushed in. In addition to that, we've got a pretty formidable foe on the other side with hotels, deep pockets. They don't want us to be successful. They might even be funding some of these bad stories. So I do think it's right to be concerned about the culture war. I do think it's right to be concerned about the bad actors and the potential dark side being in the lead right now. So I'm in alignment with Steve. I agree that we're in that culture war. I agree that we need to, to do the right things. But the good news is that I believe that the good actors still can win. I think there's a huge opportunity for this. And it's pretty simple. It's not easy, but it's pretty simple. We need to do the right thing. I think we all know what that right thing is from time to time. I tell my kids all the time, you know what the right thing is. You just need to do it. We need to be thoughtful. We need to focus on hospitality. 
It's the same things that we were talking about with Steve last week. The bad actors don't care about doing what's right. They care about being focused on whatever that bottom line is or whatever happens to be driving them to fill that occupancy. They're not worried about hospitality. They're not worried about thoughtfulness. So I think the good actors and the light can still win pretty quickly. We just need to start to refocus and do the right things. So vacation rental regulations are definitely part of that discussion. They're spreading pretty quickly. And as Steve mentioned last week, regulations are not a bad thing. All of the good actors should be okay with regulations. They're going market by market right now. And we're all going to be impacted if you haven't been impacted up to this point. In markets with bad actors, poor regulations are being enacted. And I think that's the biggest issue that we're going to see as we think about the next few years ahead of us are these bad regulations that are coming out that are really limiting our industry. But in markets with strong, good actors, professional managers, they're opening these discussions and we're steering really reasonable regulations. And to Steve's point last week, we should all be excited about reasonable regulations. That's going to limit the bad actors. It's going to promote the professional managers and the good actors. So we should get behind those. Now, unfortunately, it's easier said than done. The good news is that there are a lot of strong voices out there that are talking about these regulations. You've got Scott Leggett, Steve Milo, Tiffany Edwards, Matt Landau, the Rent Responsibly Group. So there are a lot of people out there. Our guest today is one of them, and we'll get to him in a second. Scott and I are faced with some challenges when we start to think about what these regulations are and how they're going to impact our business model. With TAN, we've got 1,200 units across 75 different markets. We've now entered Delaware and Maryland with Del Mar Beach Vacations. So we had to take a step back and decide, how are we going to think about these regulations? What are we going to do as good actors to have an impact on those regulations? And our scope is just too broad for us to impact all of those different markets, right? 75 locations is just too much for our, us to bite. And Scott and I really aren't of the political mindset, right? We don't want to go down to City Hall and be in that group that's up there fighting on the political front. But what we can do is we can focus on safety. So this is what we've done. We've taken a step back and we put safety as our primary focus for regulations. And what I mean by that, and this winds us back to your original question, Conrad, is how does this fit into our story arc? Today's discussion is going to focus on regulations and safety and how we're going to bring those two together. Our perspective is that regulations are going to spread to every market and safety should be a part of every one of those regulations. It's not today. It should be. And I'm interested to hear what our guest has to say about that. But for Scott and I, what we want to do is put safety at the forefront and understand that we are the good actors and we are supporting the regulations that are coming by focusing on safety. Because if we do safety right, then our guests are safe, our homeowners are safe, our teams, whether that's contractors or employees are safe. And as these regulations come in, we'll be able to have a very strong footing in that market to say, we've done everything we can to be the good actors and be the good stewards in this industry to make sure that everybody's safe. So that's where we're fitting this back into that story arc to build off of what Steve had to talk about last week around good actors, bad actors, and how we're going to fit into the markets that we're in. Mm -hmm. And I think what he said last week specifically was the idea of self-discipline being the best discipline, which is that if you wait for someone else to make the rules, then maybe those rules are going to be not even logically set up in some cases too. Some of the rules I've seen in some markets are just ridiculous and they make no sense to be honest with you. But someone in City Hall, to your point from a second ago, 
drew those rules up. So I like safety. I think that's a great one to focus on because that's always going to help everybody involved, whether there's regulation or not, we should be focusing on safety. So that brings us to our guest. Thank you for kind of sticking around through that initial piece, uh, Justin. Um, so as mentioned, Justin Ford has joined us this week. So Justin, thanks for being here. Could you share your background and your current focus on this topic and just broadly your industry focus today? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me here. It's interesting. I'm following Steve twice. I'm following Steve behind this podcast. And then actually after my time with you today, I'm going to be presenting to his whole company franchise group on some safety topics. And it's always good to to keep that rolling and, and try and keep up with Steve. I got involved with this industry and it, it Adam really speaks to a lot of things in the introduction. And I think it's going to help with what I, where I came from to say, this is where we're still. First and foremost, I've been in the industry for over 25 years. I don't look that old. I got carded the other day, but <laughs> I'm 51 years old. I got out of the Coast Guard and I had a bachelor pad and somebody said, Hey, you should rent that out. Hey, that's cool. I can make some money letting some people in here. So I did that. And so I've been in this industry since 1997 and having served in the U.S. Coast Guard, had a strong interest in safety. And when I got back to my to the town where I was from, where I decided to get settled into, local fire chief said, hey, we need you. We're short of people. You got a military background. So next thing you know, I was a firefighter. And the next thing you know, I was a property manager. Those things combined together. And I started with one property and created what became the largest vacation rental company in New England when I sold it in 2017, managed over a progression of time, 600 units. Very involved with that. But what happened was in 2013, where I was in Maine, the Maine State Legislature said, hey, you know, what's going on with these vacation rentals? And the quick story behind it was a hotel. Hotel said, hey, we used to have this school group that came every week and, or excuse me, for a week every year to do racing up at this big ski resort. And they didn't sign up this year. So we called them and went, where are you? And come to find out they were staying in a 25 bedroom vacation rental. And we were like, what? How did we lose that business? And what frustrated the hotel was that the vacation rental didn't pay any fire inspections, pool inspections, didn't have any of the extra insurance things. And yet they were spending $20,000 a year to have commercial insurance, commercial inspections, commercial firefighting check, all that stuff. And they're like, well, how do they get to do that? So they went to the state legislature. State legislature said, yeah, we agree. It finally went all the way to the governor. And the way we beat that as a group of professional managers is I came up with a safety checklist and all the managers in Maine agreed to it. We'd agreed that we would self-check it. And the Republican governor said, I don't want to do any regulations. You guys do this checklist that Justin came up with. I'm good with that. And so in Maine, we've had very few accidents since then because a lot of the property managers did band together, fended off regulations by saying, hey, we're already doing all this stuff. Leave us alone. And that's worked really well. And I sold my company and really kept pushing forward more into safety and eventually sold my company that I started for safety to Breezeway. I've been with Breezeway for almost four years now, developing a global safety program that's now used by hundreds of vacation management companies around the world in 23 countries, including the U.S. Yeah, a lot going on in the big world of safety. Yeah, it's interesting to hear your story about how you were able to affect that change at the highest level of the state government. That's interesting to me. I wasn't aware of that. But it seems like other states don't seem to have the same perhaps forward-looking approach, at least in my experience, like I see other 
I see stories that we've talked about before we hit record, stories that you see that sometimes are a little more negative about bad things can happen. And when you don't button this kind of part of your business up, bad things can happen. We don't need to go into all the gory details as we shared earlier. But why do you think this has been overlooked so long? Like you figured it out in Maine because of your influence, which is fantastic. But why do you think that has not been the case in other markets around the U.S.? And it seems like around the world from your last comment. I have one theory, and then I also have an example. I've done some research. My basic theory is all four of us, I hope you guys have a home. We all live in a home, and we're all, we all have common sense. Most of the people who decide to buy and invest in a short-term rental, they're typically affluent. They have some money. Generally speaking, when I've looked at statistics, they make over $100,000 a year. They can afford to buy a second home and invest in it. They're people who generally have some smarts. And they just assume because they're smart. You, The four of us, we're pretty smart people. We know what we're doing. We can put a house up. We live in a house. Everything will be fine. But what we don't take into account is the general public. And the general public doesn't know. The greatest example I give is from a case that happened in Booth Bay. It's actually a big lawsuit against Airbnb right now. And what it was, a family from Illinois coming and staying in a house in Maine, they didn't teach fire safety to their kids back in Illinois. They didn't have a wood stove. They didn't have candles. They didn't. They just didn't use fire. Now they've come into a rental. Two of the boys, young kids, open the junk drawer in the vacation rental, and there's matches. Hey, we've never seen those before. No one's ever talked to them about it, and they burned the house down, and unfortunately, two people perished. And that's just an example of we're not thinking about the fact that people coming from somewhere else have no idea or have different experiences. But my theory also follows seatbelts. Seatbelts are a big component of safety. Nationwide, only about 72% of Americans wear a seatbelt, even though it's a law in almost every state. And so they've done all these studies going, well, wait a minute, why aren't the other 25% of people wearing seatbelts? And when you look at it, the number one reason people don't wear seatbelts is they think the airbag's going to protect them. And that kind of translates, I think, over with short-term rentals. A lot of people think they have insurance. If there's an incident, it'll get covered. Insurance will deal with it. And then the other reason that people don't like to wear seatbelts is they don't want the government telling them what to do. And we see a lot of people who say, this is my home. This is my private residence. You can't come in here and tell me what I need to do to make it safe for people to come in here. I'm smart enough to know how to do that on my own. Leave me alone. Those are my two theories on where we're at when it comes to safety with short-term rentals right now. Scott, I'd like to go in your direction here because I think you had some notes here about the importance of safety and alignment standards. I'd love to kind of send this your way. Conrad, one second, if I could just jump back in on Justin's point there, because I agree with what you're saying, Justin, on an individual level, right? For those individual homeowners that own the home or the individual visitors that are coming into the home, that makes sense to me. I'm curious about your perspective as an industry, as markets, right? Why is it not happening market to market or state by state or as an industry? Why is it being overlooked on that scale? That's changing, but it has been. It's unfortunate. The professional managers definitely, I think, want more safety. When I talk to managers in in a lot of different markets, North Carolina, of course, has a lot more regulations around vacation rentals than others do. Florida has some pretty strong ones. And the pushback is always the property owners. They don't want to invest much in it. And I think a lot of professional managers wish they had those regulations as a crutch. It's really hard to tell a property owner that I want to put that fire extinguisher right there on the wall in the kitchen. And the owner says, why do I have to do that? And the manager says, because you should. Versus because it's the law, we have to do that. They want to be able to say that. 
And we see definitely less incidents in professionally managed properties, which is also very supportive of what you're saying, Adam. And that is professionalism definitely is a much better side of the safety record in our industry. But around the country, it's just a difficult thing. It's one of those things that I don't think people just get and understand it. They hear about one little incident in here, but don't realize there's 50 others just like that that just happened this week in other places because it hasn't necessarily hit the national media yet. So this is painting with a bit of a broad stroke, but from your perspective on regulations that are happening, because regulations are happening nationally, right? We're seeing that from market to market. Are the same people that are enforcing these regulations and building out and developing these regulations, are they not taking safety into account when they think about these regulations? They're not. Safety, so here's the other interesting thing, and this goes back to 2013, and it happens a lot when I go into safety meetings. Generally speaking, in a community, the person that's turned to for safety is the fire chief or the fire marshal. Now, this with the fact, I want to put this knowledge out there, 3% of all safety-related incidents in a short-term rental are fire-related. So we're turning, and I'm not discount, fire chiefs are amazing. I love my fire chief. I wished him happy birthday yesterday. Love him. But the reality is, in the fire service, you're not trained about slips, trips, and falls, furniture tip-overs, bunk bed accidents, all these different, the reality of where we're dealing with stuff. And the fire chiefs have a really hard time because they don't have good regulations to turn to. When they open the laws and the books, the word short-term rental doesn't appear in NFPA codes, National Fire Protection Association, or international building codes. They're looking at these as residential homes. So this is a real struggle for them. And so when the communities are putting these rules in force, they go, so chief, you got nothing? And chief goes, yeah, smoke alarms, CO alarms would be great, but yeah, that's it. So then the louder voices come in, the trash, the noise, the parking, all those other issues. And so unfortunately, those are taking a higher precedent. I don't know about you, Adam, but I haven't heard of anybody who's died from the trash not getting picked up or too many cars parked out in the driveway. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that the other thing that comes to mind as I think about your perspective on those fire chiefs not necessarily stepping up, because I agree with you, it's not necessarily their role to think about the comprehensive safety of any structure, never mind all of these individual homes that they need to think about. But where is there a correlation with hotels? Are the fire chiefs in charge of the hotel inspections as well? So here's the interesting thing with hotels, and I know Anthony Gant would love to chime this out with that ease. We lose $4.6 billion in income in our short-term rental industry because short-term rentals are not considered safe by the government. And if you've never heard that before, Google it. It's true. Anthony will talk about it all day. The problem is the Federal Hotel Motel Safety Act of 1990, which was enacted because of all these hotel safety related incidents, doesn't cover short term rentals. And so the federal government said, we got to stop having these incidents from happening. So we want fire inspections. We want commercial alarms. If the hotel is more than three stories tall, it needs to have escape ladders. If it's newer than this, it has to have sprinkler systems. So there's so many strict regulations and the hotels have to pay for all that. And we saw, as you pointed out, Hilton did a, a TV commercial last summer in which they pointed out, you know, this scary vacation rental and you want to go stay there or do you want to come stay here? And there was fire extinguishers and sprinkler systems in the background. The hotel industry knows it. 
And we need to wake up real quick and pay attention. I hope they're not listening to this because that's a big marketing tool they have against us. Yeah, it's funny. So, Justin, you keep saying professional managers. And it's funny because that was a line that we drew last week, right? I mean, we, we talked a lot about there's really the profession, professional vacation rental managers, right? There's the big brands and then there's the super hosts. And one of the things that we were thinking about and talked about, and then I really spent a lot of time on it this week, is how do we not manage to the lowest common denominator, right? Because ultimately, you've said it over and over, professional vacation rental managers, professional. And I believe that we are the ones that set the standard. Last week, we talked about being the example at that level. And clearly, that's what we're trying to do with Delmar Beach Vacations, right? We're saying we're putting safety first. A couple of things that we've done Justin is we're telling our owners as, as we're meeting with new owners, we're being upfront that we're here to manage their vacation rental. We're not so interested in managing their beach home. And I think that starts to draw the two lines, right? The beach home is the one where they're like, don't put the fire extinguisher there, hide it because of this, because of that, it looks ugly. We believe the vacation rental, they're fine with it, right? Cause it's a business, it's a financial business for them, right? It's contributing to them. So we're drawing that line. So that's why we were happy to go with you. And we've gone with you both the in Delmar beach vacations and all through the tan universe. But ultimately, I guess where my question is, what do you think the approach is? And do you think there's a way to say, okay, step one is the professionals, right? How are we getting through to them? How are we checking boxes with them? The big box, the big brands, right? Yeah. How are we managing that beast and making sure that they're not just driving things from 800 miles away? They've sucked all the boots off the ground. And then the super hosts, right? They're, they've got very limited touch and feel on that operation. So how do you think that we have to go about managing those three entities? And how do you keep the bottom one from always affecting the top? Yeah, that is a really hard thing to do because, you know, there was a, a pool drowning in, um, Scottsdale, Arizona last week at a vacation rental. It was an empty property. It really had nothing to do with the vacation rental, but that's all the media saw was pool drowning short-term rental. And the, all the managers and hosts there are like, that, that was the neighbor's house. Grandma wasn't watching the kid. It was a bad hit. There is so many different levels. And I think the key thing you need to point out what you guys are doing, Scott and Adam, is it comes from leadership. It comes from the top down. If you take a look at one of the world's largest OTAs, that host or that owner, president of that company listed his own property recently on his own site and there was glaring safety issues. Okay, you know, that's leadership on the way down. You deal with some of the very large management companies that may have an office one place and they're managing thousands of miles away. They've got so many things that they're trying to deal with. They're not even thinking about safety. And in fact, getting rid of staff boots on the ground out there. And I've dealt firsthand with some of that stuff. It is definitely the local professional managers that are exceeding with safety. And the key thing is there's two different things that I think are really important to understand here where success is happening, especially at the local management level. And that is a company in North Carolina, Stay Lake Norman, managed by Caleb Hannon. They've actually started marketing now with safety and seen a lift in bookings. And it's subtle. They'll show a picture that, hey, we have kayaks here. And they show pictures of the guests putting on life jackets. They show the mom putting a kid, our beds are comfortable. They're putting them in a bunk bed that's got good safety rails. And they highlight that. They've seen a lift in bookings. The other thing is, and it's what you guys are dealing with, meeting with new property owners, and that's owner acquisition. 
Heather Bear signed up for our safety program about two or three years ago. And the first thing, first time she went through our safety training, she walked into a house and she started pointing around going, those smoke alarms are too old. That deck doesn't meet code. There's no life ring by the pool. I can't list your house. And the homeowner went, what? I invited you here to list my home, not give me a safety critique. So Heather left and went, oh boy, how's this going to work? Two days later, she gets a phone call from the owner going, hey, the other two agencies in town came by. And all they talked about was that we need some new pillows and curtains. And we said, but what about our smoke alarms? You good with that? And they said, yeah, they seem fine. And that's when we realized, holy smokes, we need to list with you. And so it's been really neat to see. I keep hearing these stories over and over now where the homeowner is going, wow, these guys aren't just here to rent my house. They care about the guests. They're going to keep me out of trouble. They care about the community. They want to make sure that this is a safe place to stay. These have been the things that have been remarkable that we didn't even think about when it came to trying to push forward the safety image. It's funny. It, there, there's a little bit of there's a little bit of sadness, right, when we talk about the couple of things that went missing during the post-COVID boom were service and hospitality. But then when it comes to legitimately personal safety, also now being your unique selling proposition in a market, it is a pretty wild thing. But listen, all makes sense. And I like the way that that you brought that home, Justin, because I agree. I think that's how the good wins is at some point people start to look and have that conversation with Heather and the owner. There's someone looking out better for my side of it, better for my asset, better for my future. And that's the right one for me to go with. And it was interesting. I was thinking of something you said earlier, Justin, where you were talking about the people buying these properties are affluent. They have money. Like most people aren't able to afford a $500,000 million second home. If that's their second home, I always say this, how nice is their house that they live in? Probably nicer than what they're renting out. And I think that that's the kind of person who understands that what they have is an asset. And what they have is something that they don't want to have issues in. And they don't want to deal with a lawsuit or anything like that. And they should care about the, of course, the people that are staying in that property as well. So I think coming at it, you said marketing earlier and safety. And I think we were talking about operations as marketing a few episodes back. I forget exactly which one it was. But now we have another one, safety as marketing. And I actually believe that all the companies that kind of do things like this, that you separate yourself in the marketplace. Because when you say, hey, I'm going to get you bookings, I'm going to manage your calendar, that's like table stakes. That's not really anything that any decent property manager should be doing that. Even a below average property manager is willing to do those things. But how many are willing to come in and do this kind of audit and review of the property and make sure that's safe? Probably only the top X percent right now. Now, I hope that's everybody long term. But right now, the people taking this into account are automatically more qualified probably to take care of a property. So I had to slide in a marketing note there because my brain works that way. Look, I love that point, Conrad. And I think what we keep unraveling around that marketing discussion is that professionalism is really what we're marketing, right? We're marketing it in different ways, but we're marketing the professionalism of the companies that are really hopefully going to stand out in this process. I want to, I want to dig one layer deeper on that discussion that, uh, that Scott just had there, Justin. And I'm curious about your perspective and I'll, we'll just say who it is specifically that we're talking about. It's the OTAs, right? Because that's ultimately what we're thinking about when we say these inexperienced, smaller hosts are all being driven by those OTAs. And from my perspective, if we needed to draw a line between good actors and bad actors, I think the one that we're drawing is professional is good just by definition, because we're doing all these things to meet the local regulations and follow the policies and and procedures that are in place. The OTAs are driving what I'm going to categorize broadly as these bad actors, because they're not coming in with that professional perspective. There isn't a standard that they're trying to meet. So if that's the case, and to your point, you've got a CEO who's listing pictures that are clearly unsafe, 
then what is that discussion internally? Are you having yeah. discussions with OTAs? Yeah, it's tough. I, those, I don't know if you know about this. It's been big in, the, in international news. There was a fire in Montreal this past week that killed seven people. It was an arbitrage property. It's where someone's come in and rented out longer term units and put them on Airbnb. They shouldn't even have been there. It was an old building. Some of the rooms didn't have windows. One of the American girls called 911 three times saying, there's not even a window. How do I get out? They still haven't even found her a week later. So the immediate attack in that market was to go after the OTAs. How dare the OTAs list this? And I went on, I got interviewed on Canadian national radio about this big audience. And I actually defended the OTA on this. And this is where I believe the line is and where the OTAs are struggling. The OTAs are a modern version of a classified ad. When I first got started in this business in 1997, I didn't advertise on Airbnb or VRBO and HomeAway. None of that existed. I put it in the back of the New York Times. The New York Times was actually the biggest resource for renting out your vacation home in New England. And so I still look sometimes at the OTAs as being that modern version. They have a business to do. They've got to list these properties. They're giving some guidance and education, and it's evolving. If they were to suddenly say, all of these homes need to meet a certain safety criteria to be on our platform, they know, we know, everybody knows, probably a third of their listings are immediately going to have to be taken off until things are fixed. And it might be something simple, house that doesn't have a fence around the pool, it might be something complex where a bedroom doesn't have a legal egress window. So that's a really big thing they have to do. And from business, I know that they're looking at this going, we've got over 20 million stays and less than 1% of them are resulting in a safety incident. Is that something we're willing to do? Is that something we're willing to do? And I think that's the argument that they're having right now inside internally, but things are changing that. The New York fire last summer that killed two girls in New York, that was a big blow to Expedia. There's big lawsuits against them. Then immediately after that, you had the three people that died in an Airbnb in Mexico. That's a huge blow to Airbnb. And now we've got this Montreal fire. You've got every country in North America right now with internationally recognized preventable safety incidents. And so I'm watching and Airbnb's got a job posting out there right now for a high level safety person. They're trying to address it. VRBO has always done a really good job with safety. Good friends with Kelly Barton, who leads the trust and safety team at Expedia Group. I've always said the biggest difference between them is Expedia Group does put a lot more attention on safety and they're doing a lot. They're trying to do it, but they're evolving. It's a big undertaking to try and balance what on the sheets is a business versus what's really happening. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I'd hate to be on the other side of it where you know that safety concerns are being driven by money, but it's a business and I understand that they need to make decisions that are going to make sense. But I am happy to hear that that you're having good discussions and you're seeing progress. Oh, absolutely. It- I think Airbnb is probably moving the fastest and the quickest. They're being forced to, but it's a good thing. And one of the things that Airbnb's done a really good job with is community relations. They have community groups with their super hosts. I want to say at least two nights a week now, I'm in presenting on safety to their community hosts. And we've seen a lot of uptick in their involvement. So I've been really impressed with how Airbnb's evolving and stepping up. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that I was reminded of a, I forget exactly, I think we did this in a business ethics class when I was in college. And it was the Ford Pinto case where Ford knew that these gas tanks were going to explode if you rear-ended the car. And then there was a report that they made where they indicated that like the cost-benefit analysis was like, yeah, yep. some people are going to die, but we're fine with it because we're not going to lose that much. And then basically a California judge got a hold of this and they just got absolutely destroyed. Like I think it was like a hundred plus million dollar fine to show them like never do that again. That was an unacceptable level of decision where you knew the problem existed and you ignored it. But it's good to hear that's, it seems like that's not the case, that these people are aware that they can turn the dial in the right direction at the OTA level. And they're obviously pushing people to go that way. But I do see what Adam's saying as well, where it is a business, they have to make money. But if they can, I think there's a way to make money in a safe way. And most of what you talked about here today, Justin, doesn't seem like things that are unbelievable costs, but a lot of stuff that you're discussing isn't even (laughs) pricey. Could you give an example of that? This wasn't in your outline. I'm just curious. A property going from not safe to safe, is that even a a huge cost? Yeah, no, it is. And I've been excited to do that. I knew, I'm hopeful Scott and Adam can check my math on this one. I do this a lot. So I often believe the best way to approach a property owner with the cost of safety is in percentages. If you go to a homeowner and go, I need a grand to buy some new smoke alarms, they're going to go, what? What the heck are you putting gold smoke alarms? No, they don't want want to hear a cost. But if you break it down, now follow me, Scott and Adam, correct me if I'm wrong. Three bedroom home, $2,200 a week, renting maybe 40 weeks a year, not renting every week, but close to it. Over 10 years, million dollars, million dollars in revenue. I think I got 980. Yeah, that's about right. About a million bucks. If you want to take and make that property so that it's going to meet all safety standards for 10 years, three-bedroom home, the best smoke alarms, the best monitoring, fire extinguishers, carbon monoxide alarms, all that stuff, give me 0.023% of the income. I'm going to spend, you go. I'm going to spend 5% just on electricity. I just want 0.023% of the income. Put that on your owner agreements when they sign up. Three-bedroom home, give me a quarter of a quarter percent of the income of this property for 10 years. We're going to put that into the best safety features in there. I don't know how anybody argues with that. I don't think any reasonable person could, honestly. Yeah, Yeah, one of the things things we're doing is we're including that in, in, in our monthly maintenance cost. The only thing that we'll charge them is for is the equipment, but ultimately we'll do all of the installs. That's just a part of our normal cost. So we're including all of the safety aspects and all of the actual work. The only thing that we'll ask our owners to do is materials as needed. So here's the thing that's really important. And this is a topic I really wanted to bring up today. Something we don't ever talk really about in the industry and it's who are our renters? We spend a lot of time just saying, I know that everybody, Adam and Scott, we've got different names for them at different times. They're wonderful people sometimes, and they're, we've got other names for them when they're not. And it's a challenge because we're so focused on maybe the demographic market. Where are my renters coming from? If I'm in the Outer Banks, I know that my market's coming from Virginia, Ohio. If I'm in Florida, I know my market's coming from the Northeast. So we spend a lot of time thinking about demographics in that way, but we don't often break it down into who the people are. So when you break it down into who the people are, 20% of our guests are kids, 12% are considered elderly, and then you get everybody else in the middle. What do you do with that? From a safety perspective, that's really important. We know that only about 12% of kids wake up to smoke alarms. 12%. 12%. So that means 20% of our of 20% of our guests, only 12% are going to wake up to a smoke alarm. Okay. 
So we got all the adults that'll wake them up, right? Not the 12% of elderly. We know because of hearing issues, they're not going to wake up the smoke alarms. All right. So we got everybody else. Now let's take a look at something. And these are two new studies that have come out in the past year that I want everybody in this industry to absorb and think about heavily. Our guests who are coming to stay with us are going to consume alcohol. A new travel study that has just been done of North American travelers shows that over 77% of people acknowledge when they go on vacation, they drink. And what's even more startling is that 50% of them say they only drink when they do go on vacation. So now we we have all these people that are staying in our rental properties that are using alcohol in an unfamiliar property and being put in a position to make judgment calls. And so you go, all right, that's a lot. Wow. Okay. That makes sense. So, right, guys, people drink on vacation. That's what they do. I mean, number one package on a cruise ship that sells is the drinking package, the (laughs) all-inclusive drinking package. All-inclusive hotels in Mexico are more desired than ones that aren't because of alcohol. People want to do that. They're out there in your home making judgment calls. This is the one that I want you to settle on this final statistic. University of Japan did a study of all fire deaths in homes around the world in the past 10 years where someone died and there was a working smoke alarm. And they found that over 60% of those people were intoxicated. People do not wake up to smoke alarms when they're drinking. So when we start out with these rental properties, we're already in a lot of cases, we don't have the best smoke alarms and we don't have the best pool alarms. That's why we have a pool drowning problem in our industry. We're supposed to be putting out 85 decibels. If you don't have interconnected smoke alarms and one's going off in the kitchen and now they're upstairs in the bedroom, you've just lost 20 decibels of sound between the floors and you've lost 10 decibels of sound by each closed doorway. Kid opens the door, sets a pool alarm off. You're not going to hear it up in the third floor bedroom where the parents are still sleeping in. And that fire that happened in New York, the girls didn't hear a smoke alarm upstairs because the one that did work downstairs was not heard upstairs. And so we know that we need to do this. And as an industry, we need to start thinking about that. Who are these people that are staying in our properties? Not where they're from, but who are they? And how are we making sure that we're offering safe accommodations for them? Right on. These aren't easy topics, Adam. I'm wondering if you have any other kind of examples or things that we can glean from Justin on these. Yeah, I'm really interested in that breakdown there, Justin. It's similar to one that that Steve Schwab gave me a few weeks ago that we talked about around the Super Bowl. And when you start to break down the number of guests and how many available units there were, why it seemed like the vacation rentals didn't do as well as they should. You can go back and look, listen to the other episode to hear that example. But the reason I bring that up is we talk about blind spots a lot in this industry and you just walked down a path that completely uncovered blind spots. Safety as a whole is a gap in the industry. But even if you embrace safety, nobody's thinking down that many levels of safety to understand what you just said, to say that, yeah, you've got okay smoke alarms that function and work, but they're not connected to that bedroom upstairs for the child or the elderly or the person who had some beers last night to actually hear and understand. So this... The complexity, and I think this just speaks to the complexity of the industry, but the complexity of safety alone goes very deep. And for all of these people that are stepping into the industry that think it's really easy and list on the OTA and get all of their reservations filled very quickly over the last couple of years, we're not getting even close 
to the depth of understanding and knowledge that we need to be good actors and to be successful in this industry. We need you to be beating that drum as much as you possibly can. And then us as the good actors to take a step back and follow your direction and start to implement these things. And again, that's why Scott and I took this approach. That's why when we think about regulations, we start with safety and we're building everything from safety going from there. But with all that said, it can be a pretty overwhelming discussion when we have this. As an industry, as individuals, as even vacationers to hear this, it's, oh my gosh, think about all these pieces. So Justin, as we close this one out, I like to get to a place where we can take some sort of action item away from this and our listeners can think, hey, that not only was that a good discussion that opened my eyes, but what can I do with this? So if you had to speak to all the good actors that are out there listening to this, what would what's your message? What can they do today? What can they start to think about or implement that is an action item that they can take from this? I love that. I love what you're saying here because this is the cool thing about what I do. Safety is the one thing that you can attend to. I know we just probably scared the living daylights. We probably just took three people, just probably put their property up for sale. But <laughs> don't do that because guess what? Safety is the actual one thing that you can achieve. And if you think about it as a property manager or a host, everyone's gotten the phone call. The Wi-Fi is too slow. The mattress is too hard. The mattress is too soft. The pool's not hot enough. We can't get the AC to work. There's You can't make a home perfect for everybody. But you can actually make a rental safe. And I'm not talking about wrapping it in bubble wrap and having the fire truck parked out front all the time. You can actually make a property reasonably safe. Go back to the cost calculator we talked about. 0.023% over 10 years. You put that into your property and you do just general regular maintenance, vacuum those smoke alarms once a month. You can keep that rental property safe for someone. And there's that famous admiral, he wrote a book about make your bed. And he spoke, he often speaks at the Naval Academy or other colleges. And the first, he always talks about to officers of the U.S. military. If you want to achieve something, the first thing you do when you get up in the morning is make your bed. It makes it easier for you to achieve everything else that you go through the day once you've achieved one thing. So if you can do something and you want to make your rental property the best potential rental property you, you can and be a great member of the community, then what you can do is make your property safe. Once you get that down, everything else is going to be easy. And the good news is, We've been working with proper insurance for over three years now. They don't have any claims from properties that have been safety reviewed by us and have gone through and done these basic safety inspections. They love it. Lloyd's of London's going, holy smokes. This is fantastic. And to know that people who have made that commitment, we've had tens of thousands of people do these safety reviews over the past three years. They're not having issues. But the best part is they're not having parking issues or noise issues or parties either. It develops a responsible member of the community. And I think that's probably going to, it's great. No one's going to die. No one's going to get hurt. But one of the best things we're learning about safety and committing to safety in your rental property is everything flows downhill from there. And it's a great starting point. And so it's something you can move forward with, achieve successfully and continue to do. And the next thing your neighbors are going to be, wow, they don't have any issues over there. They're doing great. And they're going to be doing it too. I encourage people to do it. It's really easy to get involved with safety just as you guys have. Awesome. Scott, is there anything else we wanted to add in here? Or is that a great place to end it on? So listen, I think it's a great place to end with one exception. Justin thought he was going to skate through. Oh, and I not answer. Oh. It's hard to say the most important question based on what we moved today, but let's call it on this podcast the second most important. 
Oh boy. <laughs> so Wait, we saved it for the end on purpose. Then. Let's yeah, go with that. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, let's pretend I didn't drop the ball. I there we it. go. All right. Yeah, perfect. perfect. <laughs> Justin, everyone's got to do it. So you've got to give us the song that best describes you. So we can oh, that's it easy. To the Spotify playlist. Yeah. Give it to us. Oh, I do the safety dance. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, I actually, th- this morning, I was like, if Justin doesn't say the safety dance, it's going to be very <laughs> I was at a VRBO conference in Phoenix a few years ago, and the head of safety for Verbo and I both walked out to the safety dance. It's still one of the milestone <laughs> markers of my career. I love it. <laughs> Perfect. Spot on. No, get it in at the end. Go ahead. Up. The only thing I would add, Justin, is to share a little bit about Breezeway and the safety inspections that you do for a couple of reasons. One, because Scott and I believe it and we're embracing it and we're doing it across all of our TAN properties and all of our Del Mar Beach properties, but also because I think it's the best safety program that maybe even the only one, I don't know, the best one that's in the industry that I think everybody should go out there and do. Yeah, as far as I know, we have the only safety program in the world. There's only one other guy that talks about safety besides me. I love him. Eric Thibodeau talks a little bit about it. But our safety program at Breezeway has been taken on by the VRMA, which is fantastic. So the VRMA has supported a course, and we offer basically to anybody. Any of your listeners who want to to go through the Breezeway safety course, it's $350, but just Bring me a message. I'll get you the promo code. Say you saw me here with Scott, Scott, Adam, and Conrad, and I'll let you go through it for free if you're not a BRMA member or a Breezeway customer. The course is three to five hours. You can do it online. You become safety certified. You get a certificate. The biggest vacation rental companies in the industry, including you guys, all send their staff. It's like the first thing they do. I'm thinking of prime vacation rentals, Anna Marie Island down in Bradenton. They've got over 200 employees. Every time someone hired on, the first thing they have to do is they have to go through the Breezeway safety course. So we're happy to share that, get that message out there, get people doing that. If you want a safety review of your property, we do basic safety reviews. You can do an advanced safety. You can get a discount on your insurance. Proper insurance gives a 5% discount on premium, which is the biggest discount they do for anybody who's listing their property with them for insurance. And so that discount in that program has been really big for us. And then last but not least is we actually can come on site for your company and do on-site training. Um, I'm going to be up in Northern Maine at Morton and Furbish Vacation Rentals next week doing a safety program with them for two days where we come in and immerse ourselves with the staff and really get eyes on the property. The key message being, it's not a matter of if, but when an accident happens at this property, what can we do to prevent that? Phenomenal. No, that's awesome, Justin. I think you made a phenomenal offer there in terms of people being able to take this course and learn more about about what are what how that can work and how they can learn and ultimately knowledge. There's a lot of knowledge and what they can learn from that. Phenomenal. It would be safe for everybody else to do. It would be safe if you just, if you're pulled over to the side of the road, if you're listening, pull over to the side of the road safely, open up your podcast app of choice, click the five-star review, and that would make us really happy. We really appreciate Justin, you coming in today and giving us this information. And of course we do it. like to, we always beg for reviews at the end, Justin. So I thought I would tie it into safety, but uh, thank you. Nice work. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Thanks guys. I appreciate it. We will catch everybody next week on our next episode. And yeah, thanks again to Justin and joining for joining us and we'll see everybody soon. Thanks so much. Thanks everyone.